0: Anyone at work can design with Canva. Start designing today at canva.com. Designed for work. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. Slash compatibility. Welcome to BrainStuff, a production of iHeartRadio. Hey, BrainStuff, Lauren Vogelbaum here. Individually, a European starling is a common blackbird. That's it. Starlings are short and thick with dark feathers and long pointy bills. If you live in North America or Europe, you've seen them, though birdwatchers have spotted them throughout most of the world. More than 200 million live here in North America alone, singing their chirpy songs and being to many backyard growers and full-time farmers a bit on the pesty side. Collectively, though, starlings transform into something else entirely. Together, in flight, in mesmerizing flocks that sometimes number in the hundreds of thousands, they are a breath-stealing wonder, a pulsating, swooping, harmonized whole, seemingly defying the laws of nature while defining nature itself. To watch a murmuration of starlings in midair, that's what the flocking behavior is called, a murmuration, is to experience firsthand the power and mystery of the natural world. We spoke with Mario Pessendorfer, a postdoctoral associate at the Cornell Lab of Ornithology, who's also a research associate at the Smithsonian's Migratory Bird Center. He said, I think that the core feeling is a sense of awe. The spatial scale of something that's moving very rapidly, which we are utterly unable to do, and the visual patterning that occurs when a lot of individuals are doing the same thing really mesmerizes us. Murmurations spark curiosity, and they spark scientists like Pessendorfer to figure out how swarming animals like beads and birds and fish can better our own lives. In the 1930s, famed ornithologist Edmund Sellis suggested that birds moving in murmurations were using some sort of telepathy to transmit their flying intentions. He wrote in his book, Thought Transference, or What in Birds? They must think collectively all at the same time, a flash out of so many brains. As the years wore on, we found out that that's not quite it. In the 1950s, scientists studying insects and fish and other collective animal behavior posited that group movement is more of a stunningly fast response to others in the flock or school or swarm rather than some innate mind-reading ability or a command from a group leader. The authors of a 2015 paper published in the journal Proceedings of the National Academy of Sciences wrote, it's the rapid transmission of local behavior response to neighbors that enables such startling synchronicity. Piesendorfer said, There's two ways that you can elicit large group behavior. You can have the top-down control where you have some kind of leadership or some kind of top-down mechanism. Think of a rock show. You have the rock star in the front, and he starts clapping his hands, and the whole stadium starts clapping. But these murmurations are actually self-organized, meaning that it's the individual's little behavioral rules that make it scale up to the large group. In order to understand this behavior, we have to go from the local scale, what the individual is doing, what are the rules that the individual is following, to the global scale, what is the outcome? In 2013, a mechanical and aerospace engineer and her team from Princeton collaborated with physicists in Italy to study murmurations. Naomi Leonard, the Princeton engineer, said back then, in a flock with 1,200 birds, it's clear that not every bird will be able to keep track of the other 1,199 birds. So an important question is, who is keeping track of whom? The Italian physicists used more than 400 photos from several videos to find out, plotting the position and speed of birds as they flocked. From that, they built a mathematical model that identified the optimal number of flock mates for each bird to track. It turns out the magic number is seven, Each bird keeps tabs on its seven closest neighbors and ignores all else. Considering all these little groups of seven touch on other individuals and groups of seven, twists and turns quickly spread, and from that, a whole murmuration moves. Though it looks coordinated on a large scale, the individual birds are concerned with only three aspects of their flight and the flight of those around them. These factors have been described in several ways, but they boil down similarly. They are an attraction zone, uh, an area where you're going to move toward the next bird over, a repulsion zone, an area where you don't fly because you'll interfere with another bird and you'll both fall, and angular alignment, meaning that you're following a neighboring bird's directional movement. Pezendorfer said, "'Depending on how you change those three parameters, you can get everything from those barrel-looking baseballs that you get in ocean fish to loose-looking insect swarms to highly, highly organized fish swarms and murmurations.' all in those three little parameters. Scientists believe these birds flock in the first place to confuse and discourage predators through their sheer numbers with the noise such a flock makes and, of course, its motion. Some communication between birds may be happening too in murmurations, say, pointing out good food sources, or the birds may simply be keeping warm. What may be most stunning to mere humans is that these birds react so quickly and do so in such synchronization, if not immediately within a couple flaps of a bird's wings. They move almost as one in a type of lockstep or, as it were, lock flap. But how? Birds can take in certain information around them and process it much more quickly than humans. They see faster than we do. They basically have a higher frame rate. Back in 1986, Craig Reynolds, an MIT-trained computer scientist, built computer models of bird flocking and fish schooling in something he called boids. These programs provided the basis for lifelike animation in movies, initially and notably a swarm of bats in the 1992 Tim Burton film Batman Returns. In applications to real life, the ability to understand the behavioral movements of large groups of starlings, or bats, or bees, or whatever, and to program swarms of robots into making similar movements has amazing possibilities. This is called biomimicry, or biomimetics. An example, Las Cumbres Observatory has 22 robotic telescopes on seven sites around the world that coordinate with each other to function as one big telescope. From the LCO website, it's called time domain astronomy, which means that we can continually watch phenomena in space as they change. When we get to see the big picture as it unfolds, we're able to learn more, learn it faster, and dramatically increase our understanding of the forces that drive the universe. Another example, the emerging field of swarm robotics uses information gleaned from the study of starlings that could, according to the Viss Institute at Harvard, quote, enable new approaches for search and rescue missions, construction efforts, environmental remediation, and medical applications. A swarm robotics could also have use in military applications like micro-drones released from fighter aircraft. A swarm of self-driving cars working together could help reduce or eliminate traffic jams, all from watching, studying, learning, and building on the wondrous flocking of this simple bird. Piesendorfer said, as humans who have very complicated decision-making processes we're not used to looking at simple decision-making processes that scale up to what looks like complex behavior. These models help us understand these types of patterns. Today's episode was written by John Donovan and produced by Tyler Klang. BrainStuff is a production of iHeartRadio's Works. For more on this and lots of other topics, visit our home planet, HowStuffWorks.com. And for more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app,